Wakey Wakey Championship Game Bakey. Doesn't get much bigger than this, Larry. Good morning. How are you, pal? Man, I'm fired up, feeling good. Going to stream three times today and bring it. Let's go. It is NFC Championship Game Weekend. Uh, my day is booked. I'm up. I've got a stream with you, a stream with Chase Sr. at 1045. Coach Yak is going to join me at 2 p.m., one of my favorites as well. And then I'm off to Costco for the shopping trip that has been put off for an entire week due to me being too busy. We talked about this Costco trip last wake up. So it yeah, never happened. It's long overdue. And Larry, if we're talking about what's long overdue, how about a Super Bowl appearance for the San Francisco 49ers? You know, you and I are both realists. We're optimists, I think. We try to uh, uh, present our content in the light of reality. And the reality is getting to this many championship games in a row is, a, is, is an incredible accomplishment in itself. It truly is. To think that your season, year after year after year, doesn't even begin until the NFC Championship game. It's a, it's, a, it's a place of arrogance. But 49er fans have been allowed the arrogance of that feeling because it's been fact. And here they are again. Another NFC Championship game. And it's got to be more than that this time. You do not want to officially become and look, you know, even though there'll be guys like you and me pushing back on the narrative that he's not a good coach if he hasn't won at all. The can't win the big one moniker, I mean, gets stamped on Kyle's forehead if he doesn't at least win on Sunday and reach the Super Bowl. He's got to get it. He cannot be the guy who continues to have really good season after really good season stall out in the NFC Conference Championship game. No question. I mean, it's just the way it is. And um, bottom line on this thing is the Lions win or lose on Sunday have had a great year. The 49ers cannot say the same. The 49ers need this win to make this a good year. And, um, you know, I, I like the 49ers to win it. Um, I really do. Um, I think that people, I don't think this game's going to be the the ugly, grinded out, um, you know, torture fest that the Green Bay divisional round was. I think this game's going to be a better game. I think Brock Purdy's going to bounce back, better conditions. Um, and Detroit's pass defense is not going to be able to stand up. I think Debo's going to play and play well. Um, I think the Niners are going to slide their protection to, to Aiden Hutchinson on the offensive side. And I think they're going to slide their, they're going to tilt their coverage on the defensive side towards, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think the Niners are going to escape victorious. I hope you're right. And I think you're right. And an awful lot of the matchups and things you just circled are the way I've been handicapping this and looking at this all week long too. But I really don't care if it's a comfortable win, if it's a nail biter, it doesn't matter how good the 49ers look. There are no style points at this portion of the beauty contest, and they just have to make sure that they're the team that's going to Las Vegas when this game is over. Or look, I mean, it really is. It's a world of shit, Larry. It's, it's, it's just a place that this team does not want to find itself again to have lost back to back NFC championship games on the road is one thing to have finally won the right to host it back and still not make the Super Bowl. 
Look, there's nothing that's going to question whether or not it's Kyle Shanahan's job. This is his job, win or lose. I think Brock Purdy is the quarterback, win or lose. But the tone, the optimism, the feel good just comes to a crashing halt. And it essentially neuters next year before it gets here. The 49ers will officially become the team that lives in the, it doesn't matter what your regular season success is. It just doesn't matter anymore. You are false prophets until proven otherwise in the postseason. So I just, I hope, I hope that we can avoid that. That's a world that I don't want to live in. I really don't. I want to live in a world where the 49ers have finally rung the bell that we've all said, hey, they're standing on the front porch. They're about to ring the bell. I mean, you know, the 49ers are built to win right now. Detroit is a little bit ahead of their time. Um, to me, one of the main things I like about this game is the experience factor. The Niners have been to four of the last five NFC championship games, including the last three in a row. Detroit hasn't been in this spot since 1991. There's not one guy, one coach, one anything in their organization that's been in this moment before. The Niners have been in this moment repeatedly. Um, I think it's a major advantage. And then the way these the way, you know how you know how you know how they're spinning that in Detroit. These guys have been in this moment before, and they always gag on it. That's what they do. This is new to us. We don't even know what success or failure tastes like right now, and that's good. I mean, that's how they're spinning this in Detroit. What they don't know about the pressure of this game is the reason why they'll win it, and what the Niners do know about the pressure of this game is the reason why they'll drown in it. You know, the 81 Niners had no championship experience, and the Cowboys rolled in with tons of it, and we all know how that went. But um, I really believe that this Detroit team is coming, but they're not here yet. I This reminds me an awful lot, Damon. I mentioned this on a stream the other day. It reminds me a lot of a team that you, I'm sure, are familiar with, and that was the 80, 84, not 85, the 84 Chicago Bears who went to Dallas in the playoffs and beat them like 44-3 to or whatever and rolled into the NFC Championship game looking like they had all the momentum in the world only to be shut down and shut out by Joe Montana because that was the Niners in their moment and the Bears a little bit before their moment. And that's what I see here. I th- I think the Lions are going to be a force, but their year is next year or the year after. Um, their year is not this year. This is the Niners' year. I really believe it. And also, I'll tell you the one thing that I think you know makes me really confident as well. These playoffs have been all about the home teams outside of Green Bay winning in Dallas and Buffalo getting beat by Kansas City in Buffalo. The Chiefs and the Packers are the only road teams to have gotten it done thus far uh, in a couple rounds of the playoffs. The home teams have a decided advantage. Um, You know, I believe the home teams eight and two in the NFC title game in the last 10. You know, I haven't even really thought about it that way. Now you got me scared. Now I feel like, uh-oh, here comes the pendulum swinging in the other direction. But well, I haven't yeah. thought of it that way. It has been a lot of home cooking. It's been a lot of home cooking. And um, and the four, and there's an advantage to sleeping in your bed um, as opposed to traveling. And where the disadvantage comes in, I think, Damon, nobody's everybody's super excited day one of a trip anywhere right oh we're excited nobody's like oh man we just got to town we're exhausted no they're 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 in oh we're fired up we just got here let's let's you know go have a drink let's go out let's do this let's do that 
it's on the back end of the trip that your people are like, oh man, I am dragging up it on the road and oh, and that's where Green Bay, that's where Detroit has been, you know, um, they, you know, they've been at home, but they're now venturing out onto the road. And I, I think that, um, I think it's going to catch up with them, the travel, uh, the lack of experience. And I just love the matchup. Um, you know, Frank Ragnow, by the way, is going to play. There was some debate over whether or not the all the uh, Pro Bowl center was going to go. He is going to go. He's been rehabbing all week. He won't be 100%, but he's going to go. But Jonah Jackson is not going to go. And to me, that's major, major advantage when you look at the numbers between his backup, Coyote Awasika, and him. Just to put it in perspective, Jackson played 182 snaps this year, 19 pressures allowed, 10.4% pressure rate. Uh, Awasika played... 86 snaps, almost 100 less, gave up 13 pressures with a 15% pressure rate. I think it's major advantage for Javon Hargrave, and I think pressuring Goff in his face is going to be the key to the win. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. And Javon Hargrave is a name that we didn't even use. It's a name that didn't even flash in the box score against the Green Bay Packers. So he officially owes the 49ers one. And I'm going to say the same thing about Nick Bosa and Chase Young. I got a little blowback about this video uh, of Nick Bosa and, and Chase Young that I did. More of the blowback from Nick Bosa because, you know, I said, this guy hasn't recorded a sack in a month. And someone was like, well, they didn't play that last game, right? And he sat out another game. And 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 he's still getting to Jordan Love. And he's still hitting quarterbacks in pocket. Like, I understand it all. I understand the nuance of the position. I understand that sacks are not the end-all, be-all of defensive end edge rusher play. But you know what? I also like sacks. So I'll take as many of those as you can give me. And it's been a while since Nick Bosa has given me one. And he needs to get to Goff. Goff is the quarterback that Nick Bosa gets to. Full stop. That's that, that's the, the matchup. He's got to get home. Hargrave's got to get home. And Chase Young needs to do something. When you go back and you look at what Chase Young has done in a 49ers uniform, Larry, it's less than impressive. So forget about just doing it for the 49ers, Chase. Forget about... Forget about, you know, the, this team and its success. We're talking about your future. Would you like to make an awful lot more money going forward? Well, a couple of big postseason sacks is exactly what the doctor ordered to get Chase Young that next deal. Since putting on a 49er uniform, Chase Young has 10 total, tax, 10 total tackles, five of them solo. He's recorded one sack, but never that one sack came in one sack. He's got two half sack games he had a half a sack against arizona and a half a sack against baltimore with three total qb hits it's time it's no doubt no doubt and um he'll go up against you know um panay sewell and taylor decker depending on what side he's on but you know here's the one thing and i nick bosa made the point and it's a good point and shanahan hammered at home it's not about necessarily sacks it's about what do you, what does the other team do? Like for the, for example, if the other team keeps eight into block and you've got, you know, two guys, two eligibles in coverage against five defenders, I'll take that every day and you're not going to get a lot of sacks. So, you know, that's what Green Bay did a little bit in this last game is they kept guys into chip all day. They always had an extra guy waiting and they said, we're not letting your sack game go, go off. Okay. But that also means that they're not going to commit as many, you know, receivers to the pattern. And then that means that your defense has got to be able to stop a five on two 
where you have five defenders and they have two eligibles. So it just depends how they're how you're not getting sacks. If you're not getting sacks and just because their tackle is stonewalling you repeatedly one on one, that's way worse than if you're not getting sacks because they kept both backs into chip. They kept an extra guy on that side. You know, I mean, it really depends on what uh, offense is trying to do to prevent the sacks. Because if they're limiting themselves, then you know what? That can be a positive as well. I appreciate all that. The only time anyone ever describes how unimportant the sack is is when they're not recording them. When sacks are being recorded, they're plenty enough to talk about. But when they're not being recorded, then it's the other stuff. Again, I get it. I really do. I understand the nuance. I don't want any more nuance. I don't want any more deep learning comprehension, pro football focus grade. (laughs) I want the play to be over because Jared Goff is on his back. That's what I want, and that's what Nick Bosa wants. And I think that just... Teams and defenses feed off sacks the way NBA teams feed off dunks and threes. And it just, it gets the team rolling in the right direction. And obviously this entire franchise is truly rolling in the right direction. So is wake up. And I want to welcome everyone who's just joining us here. It's great to have you. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, hit like, hit subscribe memberships. Oh, God bless them. They're available on both channels. Thank you for doing so much to support us. Larry, I mean, you've you've seen what's happened around the uh, world of news this week uh, with severe layoffs everywhere. Like every media company gutted major portions of their newsroom. So independent voices operating in new spaces, it still feels a little new to you and me. It's about to be old hat in a few years from now, just the way the industry's going. So thank you for being here. Thank you for um, supporting some independent coverage of the team you like the most. We really, really are happy that you're here. Hit like, hit subscribe. And Larry, this 49ers team is hitting its 19th conference championship game. That is an NFL record. You know, if if other fans accuse Niner fans of waking up in this, yeah, tell me when the playoffs start sort of attitude. Some have earned it. Some are pretending that they've earned it, but if you're old enough to have been around for the glory days, it hasn't really been since the glory days. And then that one diversion of the Jim Harbaugh era where winning has been this routine. This is a level of winning routine that you know normally gets dotted with a Lombardi trophy or two in this franchise's history. Now, Jim didn't get his. I really hope it. Yeah, I really hope Kyle can get his. And if he weren't to get his, Larry, I don't want to start doing the Heavens Might Fall show yet. All right. But if he weren't to get it, it can't be because like you just said because harbaugh gagged it because it's something that he didn't do as a coach because he got tight or conservative or too aggressive when it's time to get conservative in a big football game again we are our reputations you only get one reputation so boys girls watching guard your reputation carefully because you don't get more than one of them And if it really were to become Kyle's reputation that he just cannot get it done in the biggest of big games, we've seen great coaches drown in that. We have. We've seen great franchises drown in that. We've seen the Buffalo Bills drown in that. Marty Schottenheimer drowned in that. Dan Reeves at the end was, you know, kind of drowning in that. Uh, Well, he got his. But, it, you know, we've seen good coaches. Um, Norv Turner 
drowned in the good enough to win, but not win at all. We thought that Andy Reid might be in, in that category. He's proven differently since getting to Kansas City, obviously. Um, but this is the next two football games. And I'm not trying to just presume they beat the Lions, but for the sake of this sentence and topic, I am. Kyle's got to win them. And if he does, oh, my God, Larry, it just changes the man's life. It changes the entire life. Every single question he will ever be asked at a press conference for the rest of his life will sound different, will be presented differently if he can win the next two games coming up for the 49ers. The entire well, it's not, and it's not just him. It's not just him. I mean, it's it's him. It's John Lynch. It's Jed York. You know, Jed York, <clears throat> you know, is he? does he own the team? Well, his family owns the team. Does he run the team? Well, there's Denise and John, and every time the Niners lose four in a row, John's at practice. Jed will move out of that shadow and into, I'm on my own two feet running this thing. If his self-appointed head coach, general manager combo, climb to the top of this mountain and get this done. So his life changes. John Lynch is already a Hall of Famer. He's a great broadcaster. He was an incredible safety. Heck, he could have been a Major League Baseball player. He's graduated from Stanford, for crying out loud, and he's one of the hardest-hitting guys in, in the history of the league. So um, he's, he's already a – he's already – exactly. He's already kind of a made man, but this is his final frontier. If he can show that he can win this – I mean, there were some questions when uh, he, he had no experience when he was given this job. And to step into this job and to climb to the top of the mountain would validate him as an executive and as a as a success at basically everything. He's got the Midas touch. And for Shanahan, he's got the label right now of the best head coach in the NFL who's yet to win. And that was an Andy Reid uh, deal. And now it's a Kyle Shanahan deal. And all I would say is, do you think the Eagles would rather have Nick Sirianni right now or Andy Reid? They'd rather have Andy Reid. So all I would say to Niners fans is don't, you know, chase this guy out if it doesn't happen uh, this year. But at the same time, we can all acknowledge that Kyle is going to be a made man. His dad won two Super Bowls, three, if you want to include his offensive coordinator job with the Niners. Uh, He wants to be in that circle. He'll be, you know, to me, Kyle's a guy that if he wins one, he'll win three. Um, but he's got to get that first one and they're hard to get. They're really hard to get. Um, you know, you've got to, there's a lot of great and you got to have a lot of good things going on. You got to be healthy. You got to have the right total team. You got to have the quarterback. And I don't think he's ever had all those things at once until this year. So we'll see. And it's no fate accompli because Detroit's rugged and, and they're going to battle like crazy. And, They've got two really good running backs going up against a run D that just got freaking gashed by Green Bay. So can the Niners make the adjustments? And we can talk about what they need to do because I've already, you know, I went face to face with um, Wilkes yesterday, and I told him exactly what I thought he needed to do indirectly. I said, go with Jair, go with Jair Brown um, instead of Logan Ryan. I'm glad that you're there giving the team the advice it needs in its hour of need, Larry. Thank God you're in the room. But seriously, Seriously, you know, the Niners have to show that they can stop the run in this game against two really good runners. What is the deal on Jair Brown? Are we seeing him or not? I think we're going to see him. 
I think we're absolutely going to see him. Um, I think that they know that Logan Ryan couldn't stand up to the run. And I think we're going to see Jair Brown. In fact, I'm going to share share the screen right here so you can hear the question and answer from yesterday's presser where I basically told Wilkes what I thought. Here it is. Here's Larry Brian winning the NFC title game strategically for the 49ers. Yeah, here's <laughs> here's me doing the uh, the Lord's work. Hold on a second. Back it up. Back it up. Here we go. This is me to Steve Wilkes. You tell me what you take away from this. Steve Ryan struggled against the run. It looked like on a couple plays, the Jones run, he barely got a hand on him. Are we going to see more Jair Brown this week at safety, or are you going to stay with Ryan? I would say overall, we all got to improve on the run. I know we we, we point out uh, Logan. Uh, he got to improve on his tackling, as we know. Uh, he's going to get better with that. Uh, Jair is still in the mix. We'll see exactly how it goes this week and exactly how much he's going to play, if he will play, if he will start or whatnot. We don't know. Uh, that's still an uh, ongoing process right now. I so think there you go. His, I think he tipped his hand when he said, we'll start. If he right. will play, it will start. I think that's. I think they're thinking about him in the starting role, or else he might not have had that little. You know, he wouldn't have put that word out there because you didn't say start. You just asked about playing, and he he's he's the one who brought up starting. So and Jair Jair said, you know, about him being and not only did Jair not start, Damon, he didn't play. He didn't play on special teams. He didn't play at all. Um, he was asked about. It. He says, I didn't agree with it, but I understood why. Because he's a class act, but Jair right. Brown is a thumper. Jair Brown is your future. Logan Ryan is a corner. David Montgomery is a two hundred and twenty pound bull of a back on a five ten frame. If you can't stand in front of Aaron Jones, you will not stand in front of David Montgomery. I know that. Steve knows that. I think ultimately it's probably Kyle's decision. Shanahan was asked about it uh, earlier this week, and he said we we. We knew that we kind of decided that when Jair had missed about four weeks. I think it was two games, but he had been out for four weeks. He's been awesome in practice. I love Jair. It has nothing to do with him, just our experience of playoff games being around us. So they went with the experience factor. Here's the thing. I think last week, Damon, they made a calculated gamble. They said Green Bay is going to be more of a passing team. Jones is more of a receiving back. Let's have that extra corner at safety and will be bet will benefit. And then they got gashed against the run 136 yards first hundred hundred yard day all year. This week you've got Gibbs and, and uh, Montgomery. They're much more physical in the run game. Detroit's looking to run the ball. Jair is much better run defender. So this is how you play it. You come out with Jair and you let him play the run. You let him start opposite Gibson. He's going to be much more of a force. And um, you go with heft over experience. And then guess what? If you get up 10, if you get up 14, and it becomes a passing game in the second half and you really want that extra corner, fine. Then you can take Jair off the, off the field and go with Logan Ryan. But Logan Ryan does not is not a safety, and Gibson is not the strongest against the run. You cannot have two safeties who don't tackle and beat the Detroit Lions with Montgomery and Gibbs. So, uh, to me, it's a major, major part of this game. 
so so much of coaching is anticipating what's going to happen and then you know it's i know that you know that i know that you know so i'm going to do this right there's so, that's that's where coaching really that's where the whole chess game happens yeah the lions all year long haven't thrown deep it's not who they are it isn't in their dna it's not what they do so i ask you larry do you think the lions are going to take like two three four really deep shots thinking that they're going to catch the 49ers off guard a little in this game i do I think they're going to look to hit a really big play, something goofy. Like Dan Campbell is 100% going to go down with a flea flicker, right? I mean, it's just who he is. He's going to be overly, I think, aggressive in his I'm playing with house money football game, which if you're the Lions, I think you got to be looking at it at, the, at that just a little, right? So, Well, there's no question. I mean, they saw what I saw and what you saw and what everybody saw, which was that the young 49er defensive back – Ambry Thomas did not play the deep ball with very good poise. And he just wrapped up the receiver like a, like a super raw rookie in a preseason game. So yeah, they've got Jamison Williams. He's a huge home run hitter. He's got major, major speed. They're going to take, I would guess two shots down the field in this game, but they're only going to take those shots if they can protect Jared Goff. And I don't know if you saw Goff's numbers this year, but Goff against in a clean pocket is completing 76%, 27 touchdowns, three picks. Goff under pressure, that 76 drops to 51% with six touchdowns and nine interceptions. There is no bigger disparity between Goff under pressure and Goff in a clean pocket. So that just mandates that they get pressure uh, in his face. And if they don't, you're going to see them go down the field probably more than you want to. I don't think that's their game. Their game is to move it more efficiently with Amon Ra, but you're right. They saw what everybody saw, and they're going to take some shots. So you want to win a, a, a Costco bet? You want to be like, hey, I'll, I'll bet you a, a handle of Kirkland vodka on this following question when you're walking around <laughs> Costco today. Uh, uh, who is the NFL's second leading passer in terms of yardage this year? We all know that Tua was number one with that prolific offense. Who do you think number two is? Jared Goff. It is. Isn't that nuts? For the for team doesn't throw deep. Jared Goff is the NFL's second leading passer this year. And we say that to you while both of us are about to make the argument that the Lions are a run-first team. How come the run-first team has a quarterback who's second in the league in passing? Because he's got a tight end that's an all-time talent as a receiver because he's got a true number one receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown and because he's got a safety valve dump it off back in Jameer Gibbs that can break tackles and make huge plays just by, you know, just on swing passes. So he's got, you know, and he's got Jamison Williams. He can go up top. So they got the field stretcher. I mean, what they have, Damon, is a phenomenal core of complementary weapons. Jamison Williams is the go route, deep route, nine, nine route guy. Then you've got Amon Ra, who's just absolutely genius at stop routes and everything in the intermediate. And he's just in a total locked in deal with golf. And then you've got the, the most dangerous non McCaffrey uh, back in the league, as far as swing passes in Jameer Gibbs. So, you know, he, he's got the field stretcher. He's got the, the guy who's super efficient all over the, the short and intermediate. And then he's got the safety valve of safety valves 
And when you got all three, man, you are freaking dangerous, especially when you're operating behind a great offensive line. But I will say this, Green Bay last week, we talked a lot about Detroit's O-line, and it's a great O-line, but it's a great run-blocking O-line. Detroit is 14th in pass block win rate. Green Bay was second. So I think the Niners and Detroit's not going to have their starting left guard, and they're going to have a very raw rookie. And Lomas Brown, who was on with John Lund earlier this week, as I was driving down, I was listening a little bit to Lund. And, you know, the, Lomas Brown basically said, hey, look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about our left guard situation. I'm concerned about the interior protection. And that's it right there. Niners have to, you know, they have to own the A gap. They got to, Hargrave's got to own it. Armstead's got to own it. Uh, Greenlaw and Warner have got to blitz through it. They've got, Jared Goff has no lateral agility at all. And the last thing he wants to do is be running for his life. If, if you look at the games where they've lost, Damon, it's games where they've sacked Jared Goff three times, four times, five times. But the, the Niners, the Niners have to pressure him in his face, flush him out of the pocket, and that alone will probably win them the game. And I don't want to say uh, grass is a difference maker here, but I do think the turf is a little bit of a difference maker. This is a an indoor track team that's going to be outdoors, and maybe that grass surface just slows down his targets in a heartbeat to make everyone a little bit off. Um the Lions average 27.1 points per game, though. That's the fifth best in all football. A lot of the numbers really match up with what the Niners do as well. Niners are getting 28.9 points per game, the third most in football. So you got two teams who absolutely score the ball. Third best in yards per game were the 49ers off, or excuse me, were the Lions offensively. The second stingiest against the run, but they're bottom third when it comes to points allowed. 23.2 points per game. And that's where the Niners absolutely have to win this game in the red zone. That's where they're going to be winning this game. When those red zone trips come up, you've got to finish them off with sixes, not threes. And and turnovers. I mean, that's the other aspect of this thing. The Lions, look at their game last week against Tampa. Um, were they awesome? No. Baker Mayfield threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, but he threw two picks. And those two picks were just enough to get them beat. And Brock Purdy's got to take care of the football. If he takes care of the football, the 49ers are going to win this game. Akash Enavarenthian, who I, I follow on Twitter, I think he's good at what he does. He was uh, he had this. I, I cut this out to prep for today's show here, Larry. The Rams outgained the Lions two weeks ago, 425 yards to 334 yards, 7.7 yards per play to 6.1 yards per play. The Buccaneers outgained the Lions just a week ago, 408 yards to 391 yards. That's 6.8 yards per play to 5.5. But the Lions win both of those games. How? Why? Well, the Rams went over three in the red zone. They just couldn't punch it in. And then, like you just said, the Buccaneers turned it over twice with two interceptions and a missed field goal. And that's the difference in these games. The 49ers, as long as they don't make a big mistake themselves, should be able to, with just the way they play, throttle the Lions for chunk plays throughout most of the afternoon. And I mean, they're 
this could be one of those games. If the Niners don't win it, they will probably outproduce the Lions, but just lost some turnover margin. So don't make a mistake. Be who you are. Don't abandon the run at any point in time. A lot of Christian McCaffrey, less Brock Purdy hoisted upon him until you need it from him. And hopefully he just showed everyone at the end of that Packers game that he can give it to you when you need it the most. But this to me is just it Brock Purdy run this team to the Super Bowl or excuse me, Christian McCaffrey run this team to the Super Bowl an awful lot of Christian McCaffrey, I think, is the way you go about winning this game. No question. Um, you know, what makes Detroit the team that they are, though, is they run the ball and they stop the run. Um, but you, they, you know, Kendall Vildor uh, and Cam Sutton, you know, really are not good pass defenders. I mean, when when Emmanuel Mosley went out. I think this team's chances of winning the Super Bowl this year went out. Um, and, and I, I, you know, to me, every it, it's, you know, it's about, it's about the matchups and, you know, play to your matchups. If Detroit's really good against the run, then throw the ball. Um, you know, if, if, if Detroit's really good against the pass, then, then run the ball. In this case, they're, 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 they really don't have an answer for anybody's passing game. If you look at the numbers, and as, as you know, I do, um, Detroit, listen to this, Damon, this one's an overwhelming one. Detroit has allowed 345 passing yards or more in five straight games. Two of those games were against Nick Mullins. You have to light this team up in their pass defense. They don't have a championship caliber pass defense, and you've got to remind them of that. So, I agree. Dan, Dan Campbell saying, hey, our number one goal is we got to stop the run. We got to stop the run. Okay. Um, they're going to come out geared up to stop the 49er run. And that's great. The Niners have to be ready to lean on Purdy in this game. Um, you know, and that's why there's so many people that Ryan Clark and Amy Trask and all these people who don't believe in Brock Purdy. And he didn't play particularly well last week. But this is a game. If the Niners are going to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is going to have to pass them there. I I I heard what you, I hear what you say about McCaffrey, but the reality is this this Detroit team is rugged. They do a pretty good job against the run. They do. They get That's- lit up like a Christmas tree against the pass, and Brock Purdy's got to make them pay. But that's what I'm saying. If 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 you are running it on the Lions as well as throwing it on the Lions, you're winning this game. So I I don't want to see. In the name of, I think I've got something to attack all day long. I don't want that to come at the expense of Christian McCaffrey touches from the backfield. I really don't. I I think they got to just be honest and balanced in this game. And the Niners shoot themselves in the foot when they either become too predictable. Um, uh, you know, Brock Purdy. It's crazy that his career high in attempts was in a game he wasn't playing very well in, and that's was that was last week. A career high in attempts. It just didn't make much sense. And it's one of those, as Kyle exposing himself as a guy who's ready to piss a big game away type of things that you bring up. Now, look, the 49ers, and this is right from ESPN this morning, the 49ers have been the toughest team to tackle in the NFL this season. They lead the league in yards per contact at 95.3 yards per game. That's yards after contact. Uh, The Lions defense is going to look to stop that. It leads the league in yards after contact allowed per game. So the strength of the Lions defense, I tackle you right where I meet you, meets the strength 
of the violent offensive nature of the 49ers running game, and that is you might meet me where you meet me, but I still go that way after we've met in this running game because it's Yak Yard City over here. That is where if who, who's winning that tug of war. And I just think the 49ers got to win that tug of war too. And if they win that tug of war too, they're going to win the passing game tug of war. And now they have tugged themselves into the Super Bowl. You know, I really believe that the tougher team's going to win because this is going to be a bloodbath. Chauncey Gardner Johnson hits like a truck. Kirby Joseph plays for blood. Um, th this is the hardest hitting safety tandem I've seen um, in this era for sure. But really, it reminds me a lot of Whitner and Goldson and their tone setters. They separate receivers from the football. The Niners, um, their receivers run across the middle like they own it. And those two guys are going to make you pay in the worst way. So we're going to find out, man. We're going to find out who's the tougher team. The tougher team is going to win this game. Dan Campbell is a tough guy. He's got a tough football team. And um, they're hard hitting. And they like to own the middle. But you know what they sell out for? They sell out for the big hit and a lot of times don't wrap. And the Niners potentially can really make them look bad with a lot of big-time run after the catch. So it's going to take a well-orchestrated offensive showing by the Niners. Um, and the key is don't throw the ball right into Kirby Joseph or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Make sure you give your receiver a chance to run with it a couple steps so they can run by those guys. The Niner receivers can absolutely run by both those guys, but um, those guys can also light you up and separate you from the football, and now the ball's popping into the air and they're running the other way with it. So it's to me, that's a big, big part of it. Niners want to pass, but they're, and their corners are totally susceptible to giving up the pass, Detroit's are but they got these two thumpers in the middle that are just lur lurking. And if those guys come away with big hits and knockout blows and turnover creating plays, Detroit's going to win. And if the Niners, you know, toast them and make them look slow and run and, and, you know, run by them and run after the catch situations, then the Niners are going to win. So I, I think it's a major tilting point in the game. I really do. Is Debo playing? Yes or no? Yes. I agree. There's no way that guy, I mean, he's going to have to be in the hospital and not go in this game. It's just who he is. It's who his nature is. And, and I just think that, that they need, I mean, they need him. They need him in this game. They might need him in this game more than they would need him in the next game. That's how physical this game could be, right? No doubt. Not only that, I mean, Chauncey Gardner, Johnson and Debo have got a, got a bad blood situation brewing. And, um, I don't believe that Debo's not going to answer the bell for this one. I think he's going to answer the bell in a big way. Wait, now he's been ramping up to play. Yesterday he wore the blue uh, jersey at practice, so he was out there running around, but you couldn't hit him. Um, and um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but I expect him to go. And and Brandon Ayuk was asked about this two days ago, and he said, personally, I expect I I think he'll go. What's the bad blood between him and, and Gardner Johnson? Oh, you didn't see that? I'll show no. that to you. That's no. oh yeah. I'll 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 bring that one up here in just a second. Basically, Chauncey Gardner Johnson hates Debo Samuel, and okay. I'm not sure exactly why. Um, it, he he did this diatribe, 
And um, and Debo was asked about it, you know, with Kay Adams. And he's like, I don't know. I have no idea what his issue is. And and it sounded like he's jealous of Debo getting the bag. Um, <laughs> but when you hear I this, I don't, like, I don't like it when a man's worrying about another man's pockets, Larry. I don't like I know. that. Seriously. Um, let me see if I can find the Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I'm sure it's here. Uh, and it's just like he went on and he just here it is. Here it is. OK, I'll I'll share the screen. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, ladies and gentlemen, and his beef with said. Mr. Samuel. All right, here it is. Because you be so flashy. You better hope. Well, you better <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on. You just back it up. Back it up. Back it up. Here we go. Chauncey earlier this year with a message. For Debo. Another thing, bro, listen, don't be friendly when you see me. Cause you be so flashy. You better hope. Well, you better hope all that talk you be doing when we see y'all what whatever round it may be. Cause I can guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. I ain't gonna sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag, people gave you a little clout, man. You ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. <laughs> so there you go what, what, what? i love football players i really do <laughs> so i'm you know and he is a thumper man this guy's good and he's got four four speed and he's made made he was a big play guy with the gators he was a big play guy with the saints he was the intimidator Deluxe. He was the guy. You saw that hit in the Super Bowl against Isaiah Pacheco last year. I mean, he 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 plays for real, but Debo does too. And um, Debo's Debo's a load. You know, if, if the thing is, Chauncey Gardner Johnson's the kind of guy that's going to try to sell out in this game for the big cheap shot on Debo. But Debo's got the kind of heft where if he gets two or three steps of momentum. He could run right over Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So it's going to be something to watch, man. Boy, I hope Debo has a bang your mom game. I really do because, you know, Gardner Johnson's kind of asking for it right there. You know, it's funny, though, when he says that Debo's flashy, like, so he does the, you know, the, the boom box entrance to hype the team up. He has the chain. And it, like to me, you know, you you got offensive guards walking in with drip. So I'm like, I, to, to, of course, wide receivers are a little flashy with fashion. But to me, Debo's not a flashy player. It's really not like he's not a flashy guy. Like if if every single you know wide receiver in football had a spirit animal that was a car. Like, I don't think of Debo as being a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or a Maserati. He's like a souped-up, tricked-out Ford F-150. Like, I mean, the guy's just such a beast out there. But it was in the shop. It was is. in the shop this week. You know, that's one thing you got to remember. You got to, yes, you got a killer car, but it was in the shop. It was so in we'll the see. shop. Well, that means it should come out nice, polished, and clean, and detailed, and not not a speck of dirt anywhere on it. <laughs> but uh, I like that. I, I didn't. I, are you following Chauncey Garner Johnson on Instagram? I didn't. I didn't see that at all. I, I did not see that video until you just played it, Larry. I don't know how many people have. That's good stuff. No, no, I'm not. But it, it was from earlier this year, and you know, I mean, I'm in the Niner content creator game, so 
Uh, you are I, in that game. I'm in that game, so I, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta be aware. I think my man Raj from RSF 49ers might have put that out, and I follow Raj. But do we play it again? Uh, play it again if you get if you can bring it right back up. Unless you already closed it out, next it out, and it's hard to find. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think I could probably find it here. Hold on. Because like that, I mean, that felt like like if, if you see me. At the grocery store, don't even come up and ask how my kids are. Like that felt little. He it was, was very angry. Yeah, it was personal, and he's very angry and very frustrated. And he's a running back. Okay, here we go. Another thing, bro. Listen, don't be friendly when you see me, because you be so flashy. You better hope, well, you better hope all that talking you be doing when we see y'all, whatever around it may be. Because I can guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. I ain't going to sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag. People gave you a little clout. Man, you ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Let's go. Sunday can't get here fast enough, man. That's fantastic. It makes you laugh. I mean, he's he's threatening, but it makes you laugh. It well, does I make mean, you laugh. And, and what's don't funny, be friendly. Don't don't be friendly. I because you're running back and I can guard you. <laughs> that's great. That's 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 great right there. So oh, I we, they, somebody's asking for Debo's response. I can see if I can find you Debo's response. Hold on a second. Is there a Debo response? Oh, yeah, no yeah, idea. yeah, yeah. He responded. He responded. Um, oh yeah, Damon, you gotta get with you gotta get on these things, man. All right, here we go. Let's see. Let me see if I can find uh, uh response to Gardner Johnson. Let me see if it's with Kay Adams. Um, she asked him about it, and uh, it doesn't. It's, here, let me just type in Debo. Let me see. He said Debo's more of a muscle car than he would be a Ford F one fifty souped up. I would agree with that. Yeah, he probably is. Let me see. It might take it. Might take a second. Um, okay, but we'll definitely. There's, you know, you type in Debo, there's so many things, but right. If you don't uh, have I, it locked, loaded and ready to go, I just, I don't know. Like I, I don't get into like the players talking crap to each other on Instagram. Maybe that's, I maybe I'm, I'm missing a huge bucket of content that I need to be operating in here, Larry. I'm still old fashioned radio guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm just seeing if this is the response. Uh, it's, he went on with up and Adams. Yeah, here it is. Oh, here we go. I found it. All right, here we go. Val Brooks, Debo is a Hemi. (laughs) He's a Hemi. Here we go. Here's Debo with with K. And we'll, where is it? We'll back that up. And here we go. Debo Samuel does play, which is looking and sounding like he might or should, or I hope he does at least. There's a little something extra happening here too. CJ called Debo out all the way back in October. Do you remember this? Remember talking about the potential of seeing each other in a playoff matchup? Debo had thoughts on it too. Take a look. Did you see the IG Live? Yeah, that was comedy. Can we play it? <laughs> Will you get mad if we play it? Oh. No. Let anybody cry. Bro, listen, don't be friendly when you see me. Cause you be so flashy. You better hope. Well, you better hope all that talking you be doing when we see y'all whatever around it may be. Cause I can guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're a running back. I ain't gonna sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag. People gave you a little clout. Man, you ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. 
Um, it just sounds like he mad. I got a little, a little um, bag and a lot of money, and nobody knows who he is. Ah, good stuff. You know, I, here's the thing. You know, I didn't understand it when it came out of Philadelphia. I guess I'm not understanding it when it came out of uh, Gardner Johnson either. Here, I don't hear Debo talking all this smack. Like I would even. When, why would you talk smack to Debo when Debo runs people over? Debo's about 225. I mean, Debo's not like Debo's not AJ Jenkins. You know what I mean? It's not like he's like some some skinny guy who's gonna you can light up easily. Marlon Humphrey popped him in the Raven game. He bounced right off of it. Well, where's Debo doing all this trash talking that's pissing off other NFL players? I get I'm I maybe I'm not following him on Instagram. As a matter of <laughs> fact, I'm pretty sure I'm not. Like, I don't know where this Debo is a shit talker reputation really comes from. I don't I I I haven't seen him talking he's, all that shit. He rubs some people wrong, clearly. Obviously, CJ Gardner Johnson is one of them. Uh, but I don't know if it's the way he comes out. Or if it's that he got the bag or that, I mean, you heard CJ, he's like, you're flashy. Uh, it's funny. Debo's like, I think he's about to cry. He does kind of look like he's about to cry in the way he, his face, uh, you know, was kind of crinkled up there. It was a crinkly face. You're right about that. <laughs> uh, welcome everyone to wake up Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. It's awesome having you here. Thank you for supporting what we do. Hit like hit subscribe on both of our channels. Thank you for watching no matter where or how you're watching. It's great to have you here. One of the characters that we uh, I've been talking about this week and just the lead up to another chance to maybe go to a Super Bowl. Larry, I've been talking about Jed York more than I thought that I would be talking about Jed York at this point in time. And I've been really? talking about him in glowing fashion because I really think we saw a guy who like appointed himself like the young, new, up-and-coming owner in the NFL, and he got way over his skis and overexcited and hired Mike Singletary right there in the locker room after that game against, what was it, the Minnesota Vikings, and he hires Mike Singletary. And obviously that doesn't work out. Then it's, you know, it's Harbaugh and things are really good. And during that things were getting really good. Jed was really feeling himself. He's getting a new stadium built. He's coming into his NFL ownership. It's his very first taste of fame. He's, he's tasted fortune an awful lot in his life, but real lean forward. People recognize me everywhere I go. Fame was now Jed's for the first time. And I think he liked it. I think he liked the way those cameras uh, focused in on him. He liked being at the podium. You know, he saw himself playing that I'm a great owner, Eddie D everyone's going to love me sort of, you know, in his own mind fiction. And then the Harbaugh divorce happened and it was an ugly divorce. And then the arrogance of of hiring Tom Sula thinking, well, anyone can come and hear this team so good. We built something so special to coach this team. And then the chip Kelly disaster. And, you know, I, I might not like Levi stadium. Doesn't even matter. The NFL clearly does having awarded it a second super bowl. And then you look at Jed just vanishing outside of Kyle Shanahan's introductory press conference. I can't think of the last time we actually saw Jed York or him trying to gobble up an inch of writer's space or media morsels or anything like that. He is faded away. And 
I just think he's learned an awful lot. He's grown up an awful lot. The 49ers business that they're doing is incredibly brisk business. This team, when, you know, the York family assumed control from the DeBartolo side of the family was worth about $423 million. And then come 2019, they're worth $3.5 billion. And obviously, this isn't all Jed's business acumen. This is the entire league. This is new TV deals, new stadiums and stuff like that. But this team right now, uh, you know, would be on the market for six billion. And if it were actually on the market, I think it'd go for seven or eight. You know, it's it's the Niners, for goodness sakes. The business is incredible. The profits are incredible. The value is incredible. The brand is incredible. And I think Jed York has drifted back into the lane of he's a good NFL owner because he's got the three B's down. You'd be spending on the right people. You'd be quiet when it's time to talk and you'd be winning. And when you are quiet and you win and you make the right choices, that's good ownership. You know, championships aren't guaranteed to anybody. So just setting your team up to be a champion is really all you can do as the owner. And I think Jed's done that several years in a row here without much fanfare. And so I, I was just kind of handing him some roses because certainly we, I, I mean, I've buried Jed York in this town many times on big sticks. And I thought it was time to come back around and say, Hey, you know, in retrospect, he's done a really, really good job lately. You know, I mean, everybody needs to learn how to walk before they can run and before they can sprint. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> It's funny, I, you, you know my oldest son, Kevin, and he's very, very competitive, right? And we brought our third child home from the hospital. Kevin couldn't have been more than four years old. He looked at his newborn baby brother, Benjamin, and he said in a skeptical, in a skeptical tone, put him on the floor and let's see if he can crawl. You know, it's like the first day we started laughing. I put him on the floor. Let's see if he can crawl. And, of course, he was a newborn, so we didn't take his advice. Um, but you know what? In a lot of ways, and I just came from your house, and I'm looking at, you know, you and your wife raising two little, little guys. Guess what? Guess what you're not super critical of right now? These little boys. There'll be plenty of time in the future to be like, hey, they didn't fulfill expectations. But today ain't the day, right? You're just coaching them up. You're just getting them going. Um, Eddie D and Jed's ownership, uh, you know, their their ownership stints really very, very, a lot of parallels. Um, but Eddie D was allowed to make his mistakes in relative anonymity because the Niners were perennial losers and they weren't this upfront, iconic franchise that everybody was watching. Jed, on the other hand, his baby steps happened after the franchise was already iconic already. You know, everybody was well aware. And so his baby mistakes were absolutely, you know, um, magnified and people crushed him for it yourself included. And, and everybody did. It wasn't, you, know, you weren't alone. Other people were very critical as well. My point was this. Eddie D, when he took over the Niners, hired Joe Thomas. Why? Because he told me Joe Thomas was a Youngstown, Ohio guy, and he was recommended to Eddie. 
So he hired Joe Thomas. What did Joe Thomas do? He came in, he made terrible trades. He made one trade where he traded like four or five draft picks, including one that became a running back named Joe Cribs to the Buffalo Bills for washed up OJ Simpson with a bad knee. They made bad hires, bad decisions, and they stumbled around for a couple of years. Um, and then he found Bill Walsh and John McVay and got the hell out of the way and turned the football operation over to those guys. And the rest is history. Three years later, they're winning the Super Bowl in 81. Three years after that, they're winning their second. Five years later, they're winning their third. Six years later, they're winning their fourth. And suddenly, Jed, you know, uh, Eddie's the toast of the town and one of the great owners, and now he's in the Hall of Fame. Jed hired some guys initially. It didn't work out. Then had the Harbaugh situation. Harbaugh and him did not see eye to eye. Uh, they mutually parted ways. He made a huge mistake there because he had no idea who he wanted to go to when he got rid of Harbaugh. You can't get rid of a coach where who's 44, 19, and 1 and not have an idea of who you're going to. Then he stumbled around for two years with Tom Sula and Chip Kelly. All the while, though, as the revenues in this league grew, Jed was like, you know what? I'll pay off Tom Sula and all those coaches. Oh, Harbaugh's coaches have to be paid off. I'll pay them off. Oh, Chip Kelly's coaches all need to be paid off. I'll pay all them off. Literally in a three-year period, Jed spent probably 25 to $30 million paying off failed coaches and assistant coaches. And then he arrived at Shanahan and Lynch. And now he's he's got, got two guys that he thoroughly trusts. The, the, the train is back on the rails. And he's he is present if you go to practice. Um, he is present if you're around the team, but he's not public. He's he's not not public. public. He's not talking. He's not tweeting. He's just giving these guys his support and his, and his, he's there. He's not, he's not like the, you know, Hasso Plattner of the sharks who's hanging out in some bar in Sweden or something. He's there. Um, but he's just not public and, and and it's, it's all working out just fine. That's what makes it even more impressive because I think the temptation to step forward and maybe take a little bit of a bow um, is all around him. I mean, he'll I'm take a bow when they win the Super Bowl. He will take a bow. I oh, am sure. very confident of that. But that's a problem. He the 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 pre bows are where he got himself into trouble, and tweeting he, and you know. And look, Larry, you know that he's getting interview requests. Kim Kawakami or Kawakami and 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 Cam Inman and and Matt Barrows aren't sitting there thinking to themselves, "Boy, I hope I can't get a quote from Jed York today." And he might be doing stuff on background and just talking to the guys, but he's clearly telling everyone, "Like, let's keep my name out of it." I want him on the Krug Show, Super yeah, Bowl got, night. Yeah, we got to get him on. We're gonna we'll, we'll get him on again. Jed and I. Here's the thing. Jed and I used to get along great. We had a really good couple of conversations at a few guardsman events and charity events, and then Levi Stadium opened, and and Jed used to follow me on Twitter. And the night Levi Stadium opened, Jed unfollowed me on Twitter because obviously my initial review wasn't sitting well with him at all, <laughs> you know. And and so uh, he gets a, a bad rap, dude. He gets a bad rap. He, he's. Here's my my bottom line for an owner is this. Are you willing to cut the check? And he is. He's been willing to cut the check. You know, when you think it's you think it's free to take a traveling party of 200 people and have them stay at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. 
but he did it. Why? Because Shanahan said, you know what? We'll maybe have a little bit more rest. So this guy's willing to cut the check. I think he's proven at this point. You want Javon Hargrave and it's going to cost, you know, tens of millions of dollars in signing bonus money. You really want that? You think he's a difference maker? Yes, we do. Cuts the check. So, I mean, he spent the money, man. Now, granted, the the revenues around the NFL are such that there's a reason all these coaches are getting fired and nobody has any patience. It's because the revenue's great, right? The TV revenue's burgeoning. Uh, the the, uh, the uh, gambling revenue is just beginning to come crawling in. They, these guys, these owners are given a general fund check of probably close to $100 million a year. So they're making a lot of money, and that enables you to pay off coaches and assistant coaches and make mistakes and, and not live with them and so on and so forth. But, but Jed's success with this team goes beyond that because he was, he was showing leadership where you know, he, was, he was coming across like a meddling owner at times. And now he's got Lynch as the face. He's got Parag on the business side. He's got Al Guido on the business side. The thing is percolating at a really high rate. He's got Shanahan on the on the football side. Um, they've been in four of the last five NFC Championship games. Um, he's comfortable with Shanahan. Shanahan's comfortable with him. They're all comfortable with Lynch. The, they've now got this Leeds project uh, going as far as the soccer team, and Parag is is quarterbacking that and Jed will be a made man with his family and winning the Super Bowl is he's already been acclaimed as a business success because of Levi Stadium and all the revenue that's been tied to that. He hasn't been called a football success and he yearns for that. Um, and he's on the doorstep of getting that done. And believe me, John, Kyle, Parag, Jed, they all will be in a different place career-wise when the Niners are in the in the winner's circle. Such a huge moment in time for everyone involved, for fans, for owners, for players, for coaches. And if you don't mind me saying, for, for guys on YouTube, Larry, I mean, if the Niners go, you and I are going to Vegas. If they don't going go, to Vegas. we're going to Vegas. And that's the way it, it kind of goes. Um you know, the attention that the NFL brings to everyone who decides to touch it is really amazing. It truly is. So uh, it's been a hell of a year to launch a YouTube channel around Bay Area sports and the Niners. So their timing has been great for me. Uh, their timing has been great for you. And their timing is exactly what the NFL wants because people are leaning into this league like never before TV ratings are, you know, near Super Bowl level in the playoffs almost. And we're not even at the biggest game. And well, not only that, Damon, you know, J give Jed and the, you know, the, the business powers that be with the Niners one more little credit that I don't think people realize here locally. The Niners are the biggest international brand in the league today. The biggest city in, in the UK is London. There's more Niner fans in London than fans of any other team. The The biggest uh, you know city in, in Mexico is Mexico City. The Niners played the Cardinals in Mexico City. 90% of the fans were Niner fans. The Niners are a global brand. They really are. And they've done more in the last two years 
to further their hold as the NFL global brand than any other franchise in the sport. They're hugely popular internationally. Well, and and I think that there's this, uh, you know, aligning some cities with with NFL teams, and they're right. not quite seeding territory. But whether the territory is seeded to the Niners or not, the Niners are the most popular team in that country over and over and over again. Like the league can give the Dallas Cowboys the rights to Mexico. The Niners are still a bigger brand in Mexico than the Dallas Cowboys, and that's. That's amazing because there really aren't bigger brands than the Dallas Cowboys. Um, the Niners are royalty. They really are. They're NFL royalty, and they have, if they are to find a sixth Lombardi trophy right now, they will, it'll, it would be like adding a half billion dollars, if not a full billion dollars to franchise value. It would be unbelievable if it happened and it kind of needs to happen right here, right now. Oh, no, this is it. It's more. this is it. You know, we were in New Orleans for Niners Ravens. Uh, they got close. They had a 10 point lead in the fourth against the Chiefs in Miami. This is their year to climb to the top of the mountain. I've got to address this one. Abiz Diod. Brock Purdy is not good, guys. CMC carries us. CMC will take us there. He has less than 100 yards. If he has less than 100 yards, GG. What is that? What's GG? Um, I'll say Brock Purdy, first in the NFL, yards per attempt. First in the NFL, yards per completion. First in the NFL, passer rating. First in the NFL, success rate. First in the NFL, QBR. First in the NFL, total EPA. Um Top five against man coverage. Top five when blitz. Top five when not blitz. Top five in the red zone. Top five on third down. Top five quarterback rating in the fourth quarter. Top five when pressured. Top five when not pressured. Number one passer in the NFL outside the numbers is Brock Purdy. Again, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's not good. You're right. He's not good. Brock Purdy's great. And when he's going to. I think he's going to show that he's great uh, this Sunday against the Lions. What I'm not interested in is anyone's opinion on Brock Purdy anymore. I'm just. I'm not leaning in. I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks about him, whether it is um, overadulation or underselling. It doesn't matter anymore. Again, this is the part of the year where opinions no longer matter. It's just results, and Brock Purdy can deliver results this Sunday. And then two weeks from now in Las Vegas, that means the only thing left to do, everyone, is shut the fuck up. <laughs> Here's Brock Purdy as a kid, by the way, Damon. Here, look at this. Watch this, Damon. Look at this little TikTok. Saw this today. Brock Purdy as a kid. There he is. Watch this. Hey, make a play, Mahomes. Mahomes! 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 <laughs> he's the best he's the best <laughs> uh what'd you think of that a little uh a little trick shot a little basketball uh full court touchdown right in the net the, the Dude, kids perfect. yeah it was perfect it was perfect now but um i mean obviously we're that's just a random thing but you know what i i really think brock purdy's gonna bounce back in a huge way and his teammates do as well 
And I asked Kittle yesterday, I said, you know, all these Ryan Clark idiots with their stupid comments and their, and their, you know, Brock Purdy's not the guy and all this stuff. Um, I go, you know, in a weird way, George, I go, I could see it helping Brock because he really does play with a chip on his shoulder. I go, what do you think? And he's like, well, I'll say this. I think he blocks it out for the most part, but I don't think it hurts. You know, <laughs> all these people doubting him. I don't think it hurts. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see come Sunday how he plays. He didn't look good against Green Bay until the fourth quarter when he took it over. Um, you know, it's funny. Everybody, it's hilarious that people want to go off on him for that game when he led a fourth quarter comeback victory in a playoff game. Um, interesting to me, but we'll see. We'll see right. what he does this week. Again, the only, if, if the catch happened now, you'd have a world where people weren't even focusing on the catch. Like, doesn't matter. Look at the position that Joe Montana put this team in with all those turnovers. This guy, so, I mean, it, 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 the, the scrutiny that is put on football players is absurd. And the always the desire to use a, every single play the guy just runs is an opportunity to now reevaluate an entire career. Every play, every game, it's suffocating. It's annoying. It really is. It it really is annoying the way that we overcover these things and we over criticize and critique and and it it really it's it robs anyone of being a real critic at a moment where real criticism needs to be offered if we're just going to criticize everything win lose or draw no matter what he's good how great is he well we don't know yet and that's the whole point if you're just looking at where he is in his career how many guys have won this much this often at this level 2 years into their career it's a really really small number like if Brock Purdy does win the Super Bowl and the Niners win it this year with two more wins, he will have tied Ben Roethlisberger for the most playoff wins ever in a quarterback's first two seasons in football. You know, is that going to be enough for people? The minute the 49ers win a Super Bowl, I bet he can't win another one is going to be <laughs> yeah. like a, a major topic. I bet that was an illusion. He's going to have to do it again before I believe he's really that guy. Is he him? <laughs> well, you know, here's the thing, too. Guys like Brent Jones, who played with Joe Montana, will compare him to Joe Montana. Guys like Steve Young, who are Hall of Fame quarterbacks, stand there in amazement at what Brock Purdy's able to do. So it's amazing how Brent Jones sees Joe Montana traits. Steve Young sees a special player, but all these jackasses on the internet, he's not him. Uh, Dale asked for me to repeat the Purdy stats. Okay, here it is, Dale. He leads the NFL in the regular season in yards per attempt, yards per completion, passer rating, success rate, QBR, total EPA. He was top five in the NFL this year against man coverage when blitzed, when not blitzed, in the red zone, in the fourth quarter, on third down, when pressured, when not pressured. He went 7-0 and his rookie year, lost the NFC Championship game. Since that point, he is 17-4 and 
as a starter, three and one in the playoffs. He's 21 or 24 years old. He's gone to back-to-back NFC title games. He just went six for seven on the final drive uh, to five different receivers with the one incompletion being a blatant and obvious Kittle drop. So in reality, more like seven for seven on that final drive to five different receivers. And who's got the best numbers in the NFL um, outside the numbers, which to me, that's the, the whole dink and dunk. He doesn't have an arm crowd was all tied to one pass, which is, can you throw the deep out from the wide hash to the far side of the field and, and with, and get it there in a tight window um, with something on the ball? He's number one in the NFL QB rating, throwing it outside the numbers. I think everybody's just got to, you know, pump the brakes on the criticism. I get it. I get it. Well, well, I guess what I don't get is why would a guy like Ryan Clark, again, we might not like what Ryan Clark said. Ryan Clark's not stupid. He played in the league. No, but you know what he's doing? I mean, he, is, first of all, doing that, he's playing the role that his producer told him to play. Like you, no, it's just, he's just, he's, you know, he, it's just weak sauce. It's like, okay, um, you know, let's compare him to Mahomes and Josh Allen, two guys who are, you know, high first round picks who have awesome traits and, and coming off of, you know, it's going to resonate because he just played a poor game. Um, ESPN is in the whole Northeast. It's not just ESPN. It's Mad Dog Radio. It's it's everybody who's in that Northeast cauldron. They all hunt for the negative. Um, the people who represent ESPN that cover the Niners hunt for the negative. I mean, I, literally, I've seen guys, you know, after great victories where there's tons of great things to talk about go you fumbled two snaps what happened on those snaps you know i mean it's like what happened on those snaps they were fumbled fucking snaps i mean but they're hunting for the negative when i did a show on mad dog radio we had a guy peter schwartz great guy but at the end of one of the updates one night i said peter how come every everybody in the nba that you just reported on lost last night he had no idea what i'm talking about what do you mean I said, you just gave a scoreboard where every fucking team lost. And he goes, he goes, what are you talking about? I go, okay, Peter, maybe you don't understand me. And the Nets lost to the Knicks last night. And the Warriors lost to the Pelicans. The Lakers fell to the Clippers. Do you notice how everybody lost? Right. Doesn't anyone win? Nobody wins. Everybody loses, huh? And he's like, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I know you haven't because you're sitting in this misery, riding some train, bitter as hell, cold and and miserable and looking for the negative. How about somebody beat somebody? So it's 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 like you're a better, more, more, more um, credible sports person if you hunt for the negative than if you highlight in any way the positive. Well, so, you sure seem to get more attention that's for sure negative the negative is considered smarter and edgier than the positive that's really it and so people hunt for the negative but ryan clark was just sitting there going i mean that that soliloquy of garbage of the hardest thing i had to do all year was pretend that brock purdy belonged in the same sentence as these other guys well, first of all, why did you have to do it? So you're not an independent voice. So you were lying to us then. Are you lying to us now? You right. said things for effect then. Are you saying things for effect now? I would say you are. 
I mean, if if you're admitting to us that you said things for effect, then aren't you saying things now for effect? I mean, it's like it's like the girlfriend that told you that she's cheated on her last five boyfriends. Does that make you like her more or feel like she's going to be loyal to you? Or do you just think she's just some town pump who's going to cheat on you, too? So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what the hell? I mean, Ryan Clark, I mean, and and, and not only that, all this, and you're wrong. You're going to look so bad in two games, but you know what? Bring it on. Bring it on. Well, I think it's it's, whole, it's great. Like, the, the whole, I bet you he doesn't win a Super Bowl. Well, it's the, the odds of saying that about anybody you're, and you being right, to be right. Yeah. Are, are a lot better than the other way around. But he's going to, um, he but he ain't that lucky and he's going to wind up looking bad. I guess my, my whole point to everyone who wants to just drown in the never ending Brock Purdy debate, <clears throat> excuse me, got a little, <clears throat> sorry about that. The fact wait a second, wait a second. For, for you Giants fans who are still breathing, MF, Giants made a late play for Reese Hoskins, according to John Heyman. Fuck them. Seriously, so fuck them. play for Reese Hoskins. Where's that parade go? Yeah. Fuck it's them. Good. That's it's what good. I would say to that. It's good to know that the Giants got that out there. Just like with... Uh, um, what, what's it, the the pitcher who signed with it? With the, the, they, they couldn't uh, when, when, when they were uh, on the verge of Yamamoto. They offered Otani what oh, the exact same deal that the Dodgers did. Yeah, Giants media is reporting that they could not have done a better job. Right, right, right. Yeah, of actually <laughs> signing the player, they couldn't have done a better job. It's like, it's, a, it's it, to me, it's. it's like, it's like it's like Trump talking about perfect phone calls. The, the phone call was perfect. I mean, come the on. ship the shipbuilder that built the Titanic said that it was absolutely sure not to sink, and it was all operator error. You know, it's like these rivets go have been riveted. There's no way an iceberg's puncturing these rivets. We've done a perfect job, and it couldn't have done a better job. There's no executive that could have done a better job than Farhan Zaidi, and I know because I'm I'm sitting on his lap right now. I cover the Giants. Couldn't have done a better job. I mean, technically, I guess the Dodgers did a better job, so you could have done a better job, but for the Giants. On you, the know, side, you know who couldn't have done a better job in the Super Bowl last year? The Eagles couldn't have done a better job. Couldn't Larry. have done a better job. You know, when it comes to securing this sideline, Dom, the security guard, couldn't have done a better job. Could right not have done a better job. Could not have um, done a better job. Sirianni could not have done a better job this year. Getting getting back to Brock and the I whole. I have no thing. credibility. My name is Giant Beat Rider. Fill in the blank. I just, look. Look at you picking fights with Giants beat writers. It's not even spring training yet, Larry. It's too early. Anyways, look, I, I, I getting 